The Authentic Accountant is sponsored by Intuit. Intuit helps you leverage the latest technologies and works with you to create tomorrow's future innovations for your firm. Visit quickbooks.intuit.com. Welcome to the Authentic Accountant Podcast with Seth David and co-host Erica Ed. If you've ever wanted to know the real story behind the most successful business leaders in the world today, stay tuned. Every story doesn't have an instant success, peaches and cream background. We'll ask the questions that need to be asked and get the true stories of success. Now, here is Seth David and Erica Ed. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. My name is Seth David, and I'm sitting here with my co-host. Hey, guys. My name is Erica Ed. And what? No good morning. No good afternoon. Just happy day. Happy day to you. Happy day, everyone. Top of the morning. All right. And then we have a third person in our midst. Who, a very special third person. A very special third person who needs no introduction. Hello. I'm kidding. <laughs> That means you don't have to introduce me. My name is Doug Sleater, though, so that they know who we're talking with. So we have Mr. Doug Sleater, and Erica's not kidding when she says this is a very special guest. Doug is extremely special to me. In fact, Doug, I was sharing with Erica before we kind of got on the broadcast that uh, I was sharing a story of how we met, right? And we met many years ago now. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago. Yeah. Um, but I was telling her how... In many ways, you put me on the map in the accounting industry, introduced me to a lot of my friends at Intuit, and you found me, I think you had said, watching some of my videos on statement of cash flows, and then you read my blog post called Lack of Power is Our Dilemma, and that was when you tweeted to me for the first time and sort of called out to me, and I responded, and the rest is history, as they say. Yes. And uh, I'm sure you're going to share with your audience your story and all that stuff. You just struck me as a guy who really is digging deep within your own self to understand life as well as business and combining a kind of a balance there. And I just, I respect people that really are willing to go deep into themselves to then put out into business as opposed to just you know play business all the time and nobody even knows who's behind it. So right. that's well, what I saw in you. <laughs> I've always believed in transparency. I've always felt that being completely transparent was how I ultimately am able to conduct myself with the utmost authenticity. That's what it comes down to for me. So, Doug, I want to go into things here. And because our, you know, the way we're going to look at this, the first section of our podcast today is going to be, we call it the what it was like segment. And so I would love for you to take us back to the beginning. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what you were like in high school. What were your interests? Where did you go to college and what did you study? And then tell us how you started out your career. Well, yeah, <laughs> kind of a, um, a meandering story, I suppose. In high school, I was I was a musician and kind of an introvert nerd. <laughs> um, and uh, then I actually went into music. I was a French horn player, and that's kind of what where I, my path was. Um, didn't do much uh, with well, I, I was a little bit into math as well. So math uh, and and music, which 
you know, those kind of go together. It's not totally go together. Yeah, they really do. Uh, but anyway, then I met the computer in college and then I was hooked. <laughs> it was my new, my new best friend was the computer. What was your first computer? What's that? What was your first computer? Uh, well, actually, that was the Apple II, I guess. I was in college. And, um, but, but actually, it was actually the VAX, the Digital Equipment uh, Corporation, the VAX, which was in the computer center at school. Um, and my degree is in computer science. So I just um, found that with, with the ability to teach a machine how to do things, uh, it just made me just come alive. Uh, so I studied computer science. And then uh, at the same time, during uh, college, I worked in an accounting firm. And uh, that was, I got that job because I'd taken some accounting courses in my early uh, uh, college years. And I really liked accounting too. I just thought that was so cool. Was, to me, a lot of people think of accounting as this awful, boring, blah, blah, blah. Well, to me, it was this fancy system of dot to dot. And I just thought that was cool because you always get an answer. It's right or wrong. Uh, you can proof it. You can, and then I, I kind of went off into the, oh, we could teach computers to do this too. Uh, so I did some programming and uh, uh, automated our, our accounting office. The first thing I automated was the payroll taxes. Uh, so do you go back as far as when uh, we used to do payroll taxes on the typewriter? No. Yeah. So the front office at the accounting firm, you know, the, 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 the payroll tax return would be done by, by hand by the accountants, right? Then we send it to the typing station and they would type out the name, the social security number, and the amount of wages for the quarter or something. Uh, and, and this could go on for pages or depending on how many employees there were. So I just thought, wow, that is way cool if we could just make the computer print that out. And so this is uh, early 80s, late 70s. So there was, we were getting CPM machines at that point, the Apple II machine, not Macintosh yet. Um, then we had DOS and a few software products were coming out to do some of these kinds of things. So I picked those up and uh, automated our office. And I was like the kid in the back room uh, at the accounting firm that uh, <laughs> showed up, you know, put the software in and did the payroll tax return and brought it out and showed them. And they, were, they thought it was a freaking miracle. <laughs> <laughs> you're, a, you're a wizard. <laughs> yeah. And oops, there's an error. Oh, well, let's just reprint you know, versus the typewriter. It was just such a fundamentally transformational experience for the firm. Uh, so anyway, that just really turned me on. Anyway, I went off uh, from, from the accounting firm, finished my degree in computer science, and then I kind of went into small business a little bit. I worked with my dad as uh, he was an insurance broker. So I helped him build his company. He, he just was starting and I helped him kind of build the back office of his company so I experienced entrepreneurial stuff early in my 20s, and I thought that was um, really cool, but <laughs> the subject matter, being health insurance, was boring, boring, boring. <laughs> I mean, I just couldn't really get into what we, but my dad was this total expert, and you know, so it was his company. So we decided uh, I would go and find a job in tech because I had this 
the skills. And so anyway, then I went to work for Adobe Systems, which was this tiny company of 30 people. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and uh, that was really uh, the first kind of high tech job that, that I got. And um, it was great because my job was to be the postscript evangelist. Now, if you don't know what postscript is, I'll just briefly say it was the beginning of the fundamental transfer, transformation of the uh, publishing world. It, it's a language that allowed laser printers to be driven, if you will, by computers. So when you have uh, a laser printer versus the dot matrix and the daisy wheel printers, those old days, um, the daisy wheels and the and the and the dot matrix they had pretty simple characteristics they couldn't print anything very complex mm -hmm. uh, so when you then go to a laser printer with all these dots individual little 300 dots per inch or 1200 you know and now it's even higher resolution right but back then you had this problem of oh my god how are we going to describe if you will the paper to be printed, the page to be printed uh, from the computer. Well, they needed a language to do that. That's PostScript. Anyway, so it's, it's the thing we don't talk about very much anymore, but it was the beginning of the ability to digitize typography, uh, to do images, uh, printing out images on, on uh, the laser printers and the typesetters. So that was just a great job. My job was to go out and find developers, software developers, that would uh, put... PostScript drivers into their software products like word processors or paint programs or uh, and the biggest thing was to get uh, Bill Gates to say yeah we'll you will put PostScript into Microsoft Windows mm. and that was like if they had not embraced PostScript at Microsoft Adobe would not be anywhere um, Adobe already after the reader what's that was this before or after the reader? Oh, way, way before. Because first okay. the language, right? And then you had right. to get uh, a software to, to drive the language. But um, yeah, this That's was incredible. before any of the Photoshop or Illustrator or any of the, the, the readers or the typefaces. It was the beginning. Um, Apple, of course, was very close with, with uh, Adobe early because Adobe was a, the, the technology that made the Apple Laser Writer possible. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, but, but by the way, the Apple Laser Writer in 1985 was $7,000. Oh my God. <laughs> and wow. it did, uh, what is it, uh, 10 pages a minute? No, not even that. I don't, I forget how many pages a Just minute. Just for context, I was 14 years old. You were 14. <laughs> Erica was like four. <laughs> anyway, so I stayed at Adobe for a while and uh, then I got recruited to Apple. And so my job was uh, a PostScript, or I mean, a, a desktop publishing evangelist at, at Apple. Got and it. That was just the funnest ride in Silicon Valley at the coolest company in the whole world. And it was after Steve had left, it was the John Scully years, uh, but it was when the Mac was first, be, first introduced and struggling. If you think about the Mac, it came out, but it did not succeed for a long time. Uh, some would say it still hasn't succeeded, but I, I kind of disagree. But it yeah. really paved the, the the path for what we now use in Windows. I mean, everything with the graphical user interface was uh, sort of innovated at Apple. 
course, a lot of it came out of Xerox Park before that. But the point was that we would have a mouse. We had to actually evangelize people to use the mouse. What's this thing? What do I use it for? So that was tough. But both of those jobs for me were, were, were very tough because I was evangelizing something that people didn't even know they needed or want, that nobody was asking for it. Nobody asked for a mouse. I can't even imagine a computer without a mouse. Exactly. <laughs> you be able to I function. can't even picture it. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't function. Well, and the sort of, if you think of the DOS machines, then there was no use for a mouse because I was just typing commands at a DOS prompt and running programs and entering things and hitting enter and seeing what the output was. Yeah. But here you had to have it. Yeah. So, and it, it, it kind of speaks to what you're talking about uh, in your whole podcast series here. It's never easy to do business, never easy to achieve things because my, my role was always this impossible thing is, okay, Doug, go out and find developers who have to write this driver for PostScript. What's PostScript? They don't even know what it was. I had to first say, what is it? Why do we need it? And uh, it's, trust me, this is going to be big someday. You know, nobody right. would believe I- I love it. That's fantastic. Yeah, or or the mouse on the Mac, and the the we're gonna have uh, typefaces of all sorts of kind, and you're gonna do images on, and they're gonna. You know, the, now I want to ask you something because at this point in your career, things are getting excited. You were yeah. in Silicon Valley before it was Silicon Valley, right? Yeah. What was going through your mind at the time? I mean, did you have any notion or thought? of where your career was headed? I mean, if somebody had told you in those days, hey, Doug, you're going to end up creating this huge accounting tech conference where thousands of people are going to come every year and it's like a big family reunion, would you have even thought that was going to be a possibility? Yeah, not not at all. In fact, I also wrote books. If you thought I was ever going to be an author uh, or a writer, I would have said, no way. No, I was just doing a job and I liked the job, but I was going to work pulling the lever, as I like to call it, of get up, you know, go to work, come home, try to pay the bills. Same thing that most people do, especially in your 20s, you're, you're working up to something that you don't even know where it's going. But I, I, it was important that I enjoyed the work uh, because that's what I think made me excel at it. If, if you don't enjoy what you're doing, um, it's unlikely you're going to excel at it. Um, so, but no, I had no idea of, of where I would go with this leader group, which was then much later. And uh, I just, I just, just doing the work and enjoying it. But and so this was in your twenties, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And at a certain point, you started, and I know this because I know you very well, and I know your story. Um, at a certain point, you started teaching. Right. You started, you became an educator. You wrote textbooks, like you said. When did that start? Well, so it started sort of out of uh, necessity in some ways and very much choice in other ways. So the necessity started when I realized I did not belong in corporate America. I did not belong in a hierarchical a large company where there's managers and senior managers. And is, and is, I, I just, I couldn't play the game and I was doing okay, but I couldn't play the game. So I said, Hey, I think I have skills and they're pretty broad. So accounting, computers, software, um, 
human interface was a big deal at Apple. And I was the evangelist for, you know, better human interface on software. And I said, I think what I can do is I can, now there's so much software. This is 19, uh, no, I guess 1994. Um, uh, that I, I said, well, what I think I can do is I can teach people how to use software. And I chose Quicken at the time because I thought, hey, this is cool stuff. I saw in Quicken a revolution coming, mm -hmm. a revolution in simple, back to human interface. I saw, well, they put a check on the screen. So therefore, I don't even have to teach them how to use the or what field goes, you know, what, what data goes in what field, they, they know it's just on the screen. So I, I realized I could probably teach people, maybe make a business of it, but I didn't really think that. I just went to the, the local adult school and I started teaching classes and the classes were full. I mean, the computer lab, 30, 30 workstations, and there was these mid-50s to mid-60s couples you know, mom and pop coming in to learn the computer to, to do their checkbook. And right. I just thought that as soon as, as soon as I started doing it, I, I realized this is fun. This is important. I'm pretty good at this, meaning I can connect with those people. And they were really giving good feedback as well. And <laughs> some of them asked me to come home with them <laughs> to, to help them with their stuff at their home, you know. Okay. Uh, so it sounds like you found a way to take your knowledge and your experience of all of these, you know, of your past and find a way to really be of service to people in an industry that really needed it. Yep. 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 And I remember that you used to always tell me that one of the things was you can only do so much one-on-one -on -one with people, but that you saw an opportunity to educate much larger masses of people. And that's how it eventually rolled into this leader conference. So yeah, when we come back from our break, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about how the leader conference actually got started. I know this, but not everybody else does. And then we're going to talk about some of the tougher times I want to hear about that you might have experienced on your journey. All right, let's take a short break and we'll pass the basket. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Nerd Enterprises Incorporated is a numbers agency. We offer a wide range of services from bookkeeping to financial modeling and cash flow projections. Our consulting services enable you to do what you do best by giving us the accounting and back office tasks that we do best. Nerd Enterprises Inc. is one of the worldwide leaders in QuickBooks, Microsoft Excel, and other productivity-based training. If it's one-to-one -one or one-to-many, we log in with you so you can share your screen and we get you through it. Plus, all sessions are recorded, so you can review those recordings anytime you like afterwards. For more information, visit nerdenterprises.com. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. 
We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading Conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Intuit QuickBooks is dedicated to powering prosperity around the globe for accountants, small businesses, consumers, and the self-employed. With products and services like QuickBooks Online Accountant and the QuickBooks Pro Advisor Program, accounting professionals can save time, grow their practice, and act as strategic advisors to their small business clients. By working together as partners, Intuit can help you leverage the latest technologies and work with you to create tomorrow's future innovations. Go to Quick books.intuit.com to find out more. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests and new happenings at the voice America talk radio network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. To find out more, email Seth at NerdEnterprises.com. That's Seth at NerdEnterprises.com. Now, back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. Okay, welcome back, everybody. And Doug, I want to talk to you about a couple of things here, but I want to pick up where we left off before the break. I want to hear about how the Sleater Conference got started, specifically how you met Cheryl, and just tell me the story. How did you guys get started? And then I want to hear a little bit about what it was like running a business with your wife and how you guys made that work. Yeah, well, we met back uh, when I was working at Adobe, actually just before Adobe, and uh, so that's in 1983-84, and um, she was working in a hospital and she was doing events. Um, for uh, training nurses <laughs> on the hospital computer systems, interestingly. <laughs> so her events was uh, these conferences, uh, big training conferences for, for nurses. And uh, she also was a user of them because she was actually a, a they call it a unit secretary in a, in a hospital. And that's the one that does all the administration of the union, d- deciding where the, how the beds are going and what rooms are available. There's a lot of administrative things. But anyway, so her hmm. skill set was very much in um, managing um, people and uh, facilities, if you will, and then also doing events. And she thought maybe someday she'd do events, but it was no big deal. And that was certainly not the plan. We just uh, got married uh, right when I went to Apple. And uh, she didn't work. Well, she worked a bit for a while. And then she was uh, in, in school for a while after that, after we had our first kid, our only kid, Tom. Uh, anyway, so 
when I did this leader group was starting in uh, 94, um, it came, it became more and more of a need for me to take my classroom stuff that I was doing at the school. Then I was writing books about how to teach. And then I was realizing I needed to go uh, not just one class per semester at the local school. I wanted to go out. So I started a seminar business where I would go around the country and uh, I wrote the books. I, I needed to go rent hotel rooms, uh, traveled around <laughs> all the places. And uh, she was very much instrumental in helping me kind of plan out the seminars and, and uh, work with the hotels and travel and all those things. And so gradually, pretty gradually, we became partners in the Sleater Group. And a lot of people say, how could you possibly work with your spouse? Well, <laughs> it's funny because we never really intended to. We never thought we would. We never really, it just, it just developed. It's like, oh, you need this. Oh, I can do that. And so I uh, if I have a secret for people with your spouse, if, if you have separate skills, which we totally did, I was the tech, you know, techie accountant guy. I was the content guy and she was the, you know, managerial person. And it, so it worked quite well because we had our two different areas. Um, so I think that might be the secret because you had, you each had your role and you right. didn't step on each other's toes. There was no room for you to, because right. there's no place where she was going to tell you how to do what you do and yep. vice versa. Yep. It's pretty much that. And, um, course we would come together on big decisions because you pretty quickly get into issues like okay you got to hire people okay we're both going to interview them <laughs> and we both have to like them and and so as we grew staff it was always both of us doing the interviewing both of us doing the reviews of your staff it was uh we 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 really came together there because you know uh I suppose if the company got much bigger, we only got to like 10 employees and maybe 20 consultants around us. So it wasn't a very big company, but mm -hmm. you get bigger, you probably have departments and things uh, that she would go off and do. But yeah, it, it worked for us and we know that it's super rare and we're really happy that it did because, you know, it's a risk when you go into business with your spouse. So, right. But. Now, Sleater Conference, I remember you telling me the first year of it was in Boca Raton, Florida. And I remember you telling me that you had problems with the internet, like the whole thing was like whatever could go wrong did. Yeah. But you got through that yeah. and you built up, I think my first year at the Sleater Conference was when you invited me. And the first Sleater Conference I went to, you invited me to speak. That was my first experience. And I think that was around 2012, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think it was around there. By then, it had already grown to how many attendees would you have each year? That year, that year was probably in the six, seven hundred people. Um, okay, but it got to over a thousand. Yes. If I'm okay, yeah. Yeah. by the end. Yeah. So, and then I want to talk about what happened in the. You know, you sold it. I want to get to that. But first, I want to know something because every entrepreneur I've ever spoken to has shared with me some kind of experience that they've had and, and let me put it like this you know most of us hit roadblocks along the way there are people who'll be listening to this right now and wondering if they should quit and go back and get a job I know I've been through that kind of experience more than once so tell us about the hardest thing you experienced on your entrepreneurial journey was there ever a time when you thought you might have to throw in the towel and go back to working for someone else <laughs> well um, 
I suppose there were several times when it it was it, it, it was difficult to keep my mind on the goal, and it usually had to do with people. You know, it was either either partners outside, uh, you know that that you know because we partnered up with lots of companies that would help us or that would have the software that we would be teaching about or that would uh, need to, uh, anyway, so partners on the outside or employees on the inside uh, that just had, you know, people issues. It's People issues are the hardest in business. And so for me, I suppose there was a time when everything was going pretty well, but we had done a huge partnership. We were out there on the road doing a lot for that partnership and then that was there was only one year that we were not profitable in the whole 21 years and that was our not profitable year now when i mean profitable and this is an important thing to keep in mind you know you you still have a cash flow going it's just on the on the pnl you're not actually profitable people got paid you know just that the owners aren't getting paid usually is the way we work it is we always paid ourselves last. So that year we weren't paying much to ourselves and we were really continuing to invest. And this, the, that was 2009, I want to say. Yeah, well, actually there was two times. One was 2001 uh, when uh, that was a real tough time because the economy was going down. People didn't want to turn, uh, attend as many s- seminars. Um, so it was a, a, a tough time. So I don't know. I. I can't really put my finger on one event as much as generally it's always a risk. I think when you think about being in your own business, you, you need to think about risk. When you're, when you have a job, you don't have risk. You, other than I'm going to go to work and I'm going to get the paycheck and hopefully the company can pay my, my wages. When you're an owner, you're going to go to work and you're hopefully going to get a, a more money from your customers than you need to keep the organization running. And so for several years, that was a very tough, but I just did not want to, to accept anything around failure. I just, I, uh, I just knew that I, what I was doing was important and we were going to find a way. So I don't know if that really answers your question. It's always been tough, but, I guess toward the end, when we finally uh, sold the business, we were never for sale. I didn't know that I would ever sell. I thought this was a business that I would do until I died. (laughs) And some company called Diversified Communications came along, uh, never heard of them. They're on the East Coast. They came and they said, hey, we like what you're doing and we want to see if we can, they didn't start with buy your business, but what can we do together kind of thing. Um, that was, I, I wasn't really ready to quit, but it became obvious to me, hey, when you're in business, there will be an end. Is, is it because you get sick? Is it because you die? Uh, or because you just simply can't do it anymore? And uh, that's when I realized, hey, maybe I should pursue this concept of making the business something I can part with. And as long as I can part with it in a whole way, meaning 
I uh, would not have accepted somebody just taking the business and ruining it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt I had a really good partner in that in that uh, uh, sale of the business. So that was a that's when I realized I I can get out of this and get out clean. So from my experience, I think it was a dream come true that I didn't really dream it, but it, it sort of happened because I was doing things to build a business that had value that somebody else would want. Right. So, so I'm curious. I, I got something out of that. Erica, I want to know from you, what did you get out of that in terms of what Doug described about the struggles? Well, I think it comes back to authenticity. You were doing what you love to do. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, you built a business that had a lot of value. And, in, and, and in, in helping other people and running your seminars, you weren't doing it selfishly. You weren't doing it for the money. You no. were doing it out of a genuine place of, of being of service and, and, and teaching people. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and from the outside, people saw what that was and saw a lot of value in that. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really a key to business that a lot of people don't. I think people get into business for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. But I think that right there is the reason mm-hmm. that you should be in business. Um, yeah, that's very perceptive of you because that is exactly how I felt. I never was chasing money. Yeah. I just, and um, I see a lot of people uh, who are entrepreneurs and they see a business as um, as a thing that, they can just uh, put some put some uh, goals around and have people go do and it's and then they get this money and but they're not really in it for any other reason just than to get the money out and uh, yeah, right. that to me is a waste of a life. <laughs> that's well to me that's the wrong reason. It's and you're setting yourself up for failure if that's yeah. the reason you're doing it. I read a long time ago. You don't start a business to make more money because you can climb the corporate ladder to make more money and that's probably a lot easier. You start a business because you want the freedom, but I love Erica what you said that it's really about Persisting in doing what I love to do. I mean what I heard Doug was I'm not going out like this Yeah, I am going to there's no way I can fail because there's no way I can go work for somebody else I share that experience myself. I'm unemployable. I cannot work for somebody else We discovered that in some respects the hard way at one point, right? I almost came to work for you at one point, and when it came down to it, we talked, and it was a hard conversation to have, but we agreed I was better off on my own. In the well, world. yeah, this is something about you, Seth, that, that you know, I, I've i told you before. I think I know you, Seth, better than you know yourself in some ways, and that's you have this incredible capacity to run yourself. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people can't do that. So I think if, if uh, anybody in the audience is – Thinking about do you do you, are you really self starter Are you really able to uh, uh, focus on what you want and and are you a whole person? Meaning, you might be really good at let's say doing a tax return, but are you really good at figuring out how to rent space and you know uh, build a business that has a reliable you know pricing and customer acquisition and you know there's a lot more to business than simply doing whatever we're good at. Exactly. So that's a very valid point. I'm glad you brought that up. And it comes back to what you were talking about earlier with, you know, the challenges that you faced in the tech industry, you Mm -hmm. know, getting people to understand and want to use a mouse on a computer before there was one. Right. I mean, if you're that type of person that goes out and, and enjoys that those problems and enjoys solving those problems and those challenges, 
maybe you're right to start your own business. Yeah. But if you don't enjoy those things, like get out yeah. because, because that's <laughs> in a way kind of what business is all about. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I really enjoy doing and I, I really enjoy doing it with Erica is I love building the systems and I love especially looking at it from the lens of or through the lens of today's technology, looking at what's out there and saying, okay, we have a problem. And Doug, you and I talked about this on the phone recently. I have to get this data from A to B to C. How do I do that? And how do I do it in the most efficient way possible? Because I want to charge a flat fee, which means I want to get it done quickly, but also error free. And that's one of the biggest challenges I think businesses face today. Yeah, yep. that whole digital plumbing thing we talk about. and I remember that when you said that from years ago, chunkification and digital plumbing. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, you know, again, I think it's, I, I love that idea of I'm not going out like this. Like I can't work for somebody else, so I have to do whatever it takes. And I think when you have that mentality, and I love what you said, Erica, because it really does come down to that. You have to do be doing something you love. You have to be doing something. Like I've heard people talk about quote unquote challenges of working from home that they have to get motivated to go work and not screw off and watch TV. And I'm like, it wouldn't even occur to me. If anything, I have the opposite problem where I have to rip myself away from the computer and say to myself, Seth, take a break. Yeah. 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 Because I can't stop. It's it's, it's an addiction for me, but in a good way. I can't stop working once I start. I, I love what I do. I love figuring this stuff out. I love with the new toys and the new apps. And, and I think Doug, you and I are so much alike that way. Yeah. It's, it's also a little more than just doing what you love because you do have to find a market for what you love. Sure. So I feel so fortunate and I'm so thankful of Intuit, you know, because they had a product called Quicken and then later QuickBooks mm-hmm. that I believed in. Right. So I identified and I was right. Thank goodness. But I identified and said, this is going to be big, and I'm going to help them make it big by teaching the world. So, and, and luckily, that all worked out, right? Their marketing of their product, and that the, then there were customers and blah, blah, blah. But so you can love basket weaving and have no customers, you know, so it's, it's a match between what you love and what customers out there are wanting to buy. Maybe it's in the future you're going to convince them, like the mouse, they yeah. want ice. <laughs> I have a theory that in this day and age, though, you can find a market for just about everything, especially with social media being what it is. It's really carving out interests and finding the people who have that. I was shocked a couple of years ago to find out that there is like a national society for professional organizers. And these people are serious and they get together and they have meetings. I know an organizer. (laughs) That's funny. But I'm glad you brought up Intuit and QuickBooks, Doug, because they are the company that has made this very podcast possible. So we're going to pass the basket here real quick because I really want to thank Intuit as a company for making this podcast possible. If it wasn't for them, we literally wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation. So um, Erica, yeah, did you know that I actually used the original DOS version of QuickBooks? I did not know there was a DOS version of QuickBooks. There was. And while I was in college, my very first accounting job was for a guy who actually owned three retail stores. And he was using the DOS version of QuickBooks. You should have seen it. You would not believe how far QuickBooks, and of course, most importantly, QuickBooks Online now has come. Come to think of it, I remember when QuickBooks Online was very new, and people would say things like, oh, it's never going to get much use and only be for very small and basic business. 
And I laugh when I think about that now because I think about the very complex e-commerce clients that we have yeah. and we use QuickBooks Online to manage their inventory entirely. We don't even use apps because QuickBooks Online does it and it does it well. It's revolutionary for sure. Yep. And you know what I love about QuickBooks Online and QBO Accountant? The QBO portal makes it easy for us to switch quickly between clients. And the QuickBooks Online program itself, best reporting in the industry. In yep. my opinion, of course. And I love the apps and integrations. Erica, how many apps are you in each day as you're working with QuickBooks Online? Just roughly. I wouldn't even know, I, honestly. Yep. I mean, we're building an accounting business based on lightning-based efficiency. And QuickBooks Online accountant, as well as QuickBooks Online, makes it so easy for us. The efficiency. We've been able to create by using QuickBooks Online and the apps has made it so that we can get the work done that would probably take a staff of 10 in most other companies. I don't know how others are doing it, but I'm so glad we're doing it with QuickBooks Online and QuickBooks Online Account. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Nerd Enterprises Incorporated is a numbers agency. We offer a wide range of services from bookkeeping to financial modeling and cash flow projections. Our consulting services enable you to do what you do best by giving us the accounting and back office tasks that we do best. Nerd Enterprises, Inc. is one of the worldwide leaders in QuickBooks, Microsoft Excel, and other productivity-based training. If it's one-to-one or one-to-many, we log in with you so you can share your screen and we get you through it. Plus, all sessions are recorded so you can review those recordings anytime you like afterwards. For more information, visit Nerd Enterprises. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Intuit QuickBooks is dedicated to powering prosperity around the globe for accountants, small businesses, consumers, and the self-employed. With products and services like QuickBooks Online Accountant and the QuickBooks Pro Advisor Program, accounting professionals can save time, grow their practice, and act as strategic advisors to their small business clients. By working together as partners, Intuit can help you leverage the latest technologies and work with you to create tomorrow's future innovations. Go to Quick books.intuit.com to find out more. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests and new happenings at the voice America talk radio network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. To find out more, email Seth at NerdEnterprises.com. That's Seth at NerdEnterprises.com. Now, back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. Okay, welcome back, everybody. And Doug, I want to talk about what it's like today. So it's been how many years since you've sold this leader group? We sold in 2015, so here we are in 2018. So just so it's been about three years. Yeah, that's what I'd written down. I wasn't 100 percent sure. So yeah. some might say that what you experienced there is the ultimate in success for a business. I mean, a lot of entrepreneurs this day and age, their dream is to be able to sell to build something that's bigger than themselves and then sell it to a company, and this way they can kind of relax, travel the world. I mean, that's like the ultimate American dream, right? Mm-hmm. Are you living the American dream? <laughs> Well, I gotta say, I'm 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 extremely uh, gratified with the whole process. Uh, what what happened to me was like a lightning uh, strike uh, because it is somewhat rare that you build something that you can uh, then then sell out. And I, I really never thought that I had something that would sell. Uh, we weren't for sale, like I mentioned before, and it just it just was the perfect storm or perfect lightning or what strike or whatever. So today, I you know three years down, I I worked for the company for uh, for one year, so that was 2016. So it's really been two years of retirement, but I've been using <laughs> sabbatical. There you go. <laughs> I'm only 58 years old, so I I don't really have to retire yet. Uh, but on the other hand, what I've been really doing is Life 2.0 and focusing on uh, building a hobby. Um, one of the things that we do when we work too hard is we probably don't build hobbies. And I never did. I was just, it was work, sleep, repeat, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm exercising like crazy. I'm exercising five days a week now. I'm much more healthy, lost some weight. Um, and I built a workshop uh, doing woodworking, uh, took classes in work, woodworking. And so uh, I, because I something in me just knows if I don't have a bone to chew, the business was my bone to chew all my life. If I don't have one now, then I will die sooner. So <laughs> my bone to chew now is woodworking and, uh, and then we're traveling a lot too. We've taken several long six-week trips, uh, lots of Australia and Europe, and so we're, we're enjoying that. And um, But I really enjoy kind of being home and being in that workshop. In fact, you know, what we're doing here is cutting in my woodworking, uh, so I have to leave now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, what sort of things are you making? Uh, well, I made a, a shaker table, which is a, a just a tall table uh, in, my, in my class, I made some bench like uh, stools. Um, still working on the shop, so I'm working on a miter saw station right now. I'm building drawers today. I'm putting the uh, dovetail drawers together, and 
So these are things that you learn and, and oh, YouTube is the best. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to do. I can get on YouTube and find it and somebody's showing me exactly how. And you know, Seth, you're really good at videos. He's pretty uh, keyed in, right? <laughs> Seth is so good at videos when we explain stuff. There are a lot of people in woodworking that are just as good as Seth in woodworking. So anyway, that's- well, Okay, so two things I have to mention on that. First of all, I love what you said about YouTube. Last week, my wife and I went to a Whole Foods that just opened up in Burbank where I live. And I, I saw these pineapples, like actual whole pineapples. And I said to my wife, I said, let's bring one of those home and let's cut that one up. And she's like, I don't know how to cut a pineapple. Like it's weird. And I said, I got it covered. And sure enough, we went home and we found a video on YouTube that teaches you how to actually spice up yeah. a pineapple. And I'm so glad we did because it's so much better than buying it precise. But we found this video of a woman who taught you really well how to do it. Next thing that occurs to me, maybe we'll see Doug 3.0 will be the National Woodworking Conference. <laughs> and you'll have woodworking people from all over the country come to a big hotel and conference yeah. based in Las Vegas, and there'll be all kinds of educators there teaching people how to do different woodworking projects. Well, it, it could be. There's a lot of those conferences out there already, but yeah. yeah. So I have to ask a question because I know everybody's dying to ask this, and I know I've had some quiet conversations with the people where they're wondering, is there a chance that there will ever be another Sleater conference? Wow. I don't know. Um, yeah, I have uh, been getting requests for that, but I would have to say no <laughs> because there's just not, I don't have it in me. What you don't have in you when you're uh, approaching 60 is you don't have the energy you did when you're 33 when I was starting. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have the energy and you also don't have the risk tolerance uh, of being in business with, because this leader conference was a very large risk every year for uh, us personally, still a small company. We would commit huge dollars to the, the hotels. And uh, if, if you don't, if you don't make enough on the conference, which is a one, two, three day event, then you, you can't pay the hotels. It's a pretty risky uh, business. So mm -hmm. I, I uh, the, the, the risks to me are just not worth it anymore. And I, on the other hand, what I would like to do is find a way to continue the uh, network, if you will, of people who still need, or they're coming to me saying they need, a, you know, a, a rallying point. You're doing this a lot with your groups of, uh, of people that, that surround you. And uh, so I, I'd like to continue to find ways to help people network, learn more technology, uh, get to the next level. And for me, the next level is going to be something around blockchain technology. That's what I'm, you know, doing keynote addresses around and things, uh, you know, because I believe that's the next postscript is, is blockchain. Right. Hmm. It's going to be just as fundamental change to all global commerce. So if I do something, it'll probably be in that space mm -hmm. and I can't quite see it. Right. Yeah. I mean, no question. Everything's headed that direction where blockchain is going to sit at the foundation of probably every transaction that takes place in the world eventually because right. of what it can do security wise. I just wonder how visible it's going to be. It feels to me like it's something that's going to exist behind the scenes. It's going to okay. be in that code. You're not going to see it. You're yep. just going to be told 
okay, there's blockchain behind this, so everything's verifiable in a hundred different ways. There should be no question about what the transaction was that took place and what was exchanged between the parties and what information, because real estate industry is talking about using blockchain to manage their document portals and all of that. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, yeah, so I, I'm guessing that's kind of what it's going to look like, but it will be curious to see. I know you've been hot on blockchain for a few years now. Yeah, yeah, digital currency blockchain. It's just like we don't talk about PostScript. I was just describing what PostScript is. Most people never even heard of it, but it's underneath almost everything we're doing. And same, same with TCP/IP, which is the thing that makes the internet work. And so right. we don't we don't talk about underlying technologies, but if you really go back to what is changing the world, it's these underlying technologies. And I think blockchain will be it for global commerce uh, and maybe much more, uh, you know. Right. I mean, they're, they're I, saying audits will be done in real time. It well, yeah. almost sounds like the direction they're saying it's going to go is auditing yeah. firms, firms that do public company audits, their job is going to change dramatically behind this. Yeah. And there's a lot that has to happen in order for all this to come true because I think, well, a lot, a lot of people are working against this. Anyway, a couple more things. I, I, I have this hashtag uh, called uh, Agility Trump's Ability. And mm -hmm. I think people that are out there uh, just doing whatever they're doing in today's technology or, or less light technology, whatever, if you're not always learning, if you're not always looking at the next phase, then you're going to become irrelevant. And that's faster and faster becoming true these days. So yeah. that's why, again, when you think, will there be another Sleater conference? Well, that, that's yesterday. I did that. Now, what, what would be another way? Like maybe it'd be a virtual world that we're all, who knows? But, or, you know, my, my focus is blockchain. So whatever we're doing with accounting software today is all just, to me, it's old world doing stuff the old way. I'd much rather find new, complete new fundamental change things like blockchain, which right. would take audit out or take many of the ways we do transaction recording and uh, automate them and make them more secure. So stay agile, always learning. Yeah, one of the things that I think I've taken out of the last couple of years of my experience specifically is that when I built my Accounting Business Academy, which is also known as my 97 and up program. One of the first things I teach people is about time management, because I think it's really important to figure out how you're going to divide up your time to make sure that part of your day includes that learning process. Mm -hmm. Certain parts of the day, I need to reverse the engines and absorb content rather than produce it. That's especially important for somebody like me because I spend so much time producing that right. I have to learn and I have to take things in and I have to spend time looking at, like you said, Doug, what's new, what's coming out, what's the latest and greatest. And right. I actually stopped looking at all these different apps because it was confusing me and I believe it was confusing others. And instead what I said was, I'm going to pick the ones that work for me and I'm going to teach people those because right. what's more important is teaching them the process behind the apps. Right. A lot of people I think are doing it backwards. They're trying to use the app and then figure out the process mm -hmm. instead of building the process and then making the app work in that process. And yes. that's where I see a lot of change needing to take place and I'm hoping to be one of the leaders of that change. You already are. <laughs> <laughs>
So, Doug, uh, we've got just a couple minutes left here. And I know, I think you said when we last spoke, you're also doing some consulting, no? Are you working with companies in yeah, our I'm space? Yeah, some advisory board work with several companies and uh, investing and, you know, trying to keep my feet in a little bit um, and really enjoying some of the, so you've, you've heard of a company called Botkeeper. I'm, I'm helping them with, you know, their strategy and things or uh, spotlight reporting is another one. They've got a nice, you know, reporting engine that, that is, um, you know, been out there for a long time. And anyway, so I'm trying to help these folks. How do they actually, you know, market and succeed in the marketplace? So that's kind of my role these days. Yeah. Gotcha. Doug, I want to thank you so much for spending time with us. It's been such a pleasure. It's been such an honor to know you and to be able to call you a friend over these years. I was telling Erica before we, you know, sort of went live, uh, you know, how you, you really, I don't think you knew it at the time. I'm sure you didn't, but you helped me out of one of the darkest spots in my career where I was really ready to give up. And I was really thinking I may need to go get a job. And that was when you sent that tweet that day. And I just, I feel like I owe you so much gratitude at the very least in terms of what you did for me back then and the people you've introduced me to and the, you've been a mentor to me you've provided me with a lot of guidance over the years and even though I didn't always listen eventually I did eventually it would sink in so gotta run thank you so much for being with us Thanks, everybody Dad. and come back next week for another episode Thank you for tuning in. New episodes of the Authentic Accountant Podcast are heard every week on the Voice America Business Channel and on your favorite podcast site. Please join Seth David and Erica Ed again soon for another edition and another complete story of success. The Authentic Accountant is sponsored by Intuit. Intuit helps you leverage the latest technologies and works with you to create tomorrow's future innovations for your firm. Visit quickbooks.intuit.com.